welcome back to the Chosen Life Podcast. I'm your host, the Chosen Lawyer, uh, a returning guest, very good friend of mine. I have known this gentleman for many, many years, one of the finest human beings I know. He was on our show previously. He's come back as a follow-up recap today. Uh, really interesting story and one that you all should take note because we always say it's never going to be us and you just never, ever know in life. He's a shining example of being prepared and what life can happen and being strong. It's Mr. Greg Barnsdale. Greg, welcome back to The Chosen Life. Thank you, John. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you taking time for us. And the background over there is this book, Do Not Ignore Your Mortality. Uh, Greg, you know, for those guests that uh, had not heard your tale before and you were initially on our show talking about the book, I, you know, if you look up irony in a dictionary, it's your tale. If you can give us a little bit of a history again of the thought of preparing this book, you know, um, you had a background as far as in the funeral business and then insurance. What brought about this book and then how did life turn for you unexpectedly after the book? Well, it, it took a long time to put this book to, together, John. Uh, as I mentioned during the, the first uh, interview we had a while back before my brain surgery, that um, I, I had basically worked in the funeral business for quite a number of years, as well as the financial planning industry. And I, I knew at some point I'd be able to combine that experience to put to create something that would be really helpful to people. I've tried a lot of things, and I ultimately put this book together to help people. But shortly after I published it, I was diagnosed with a, a fairly large brain tumor, and I had to have it surgically removed rather quickly, and that was done not long ago. Uh, so I've, I've, I'm through the recuperation process, and I'm, I feel so lucky that the tumor that was removed was non-cancerous. Now, um, again, to recap, uh, for people tuning in that hadn't seen interview number one, this is not a case where we do regular checkups and somebody comes back and says, oh, you have a brain tumor. This is one of those things that we do not expect. And we start to feel sometimes symptoms. And then we go to get them checked out. Like you, you had no clue, you know, right, writing this book, a brain tumor was going to appear or that brain tumor was there. Again, what were the warning signs? What were the symptoms you were feeling, Greg? And how did you get to the point of diagnosis? Because many people may have conditions, ignore them don't realize that something is there, often it's too late. It's good that you caught this one early. Yes, I'm, I'm very fortunate. It, it started, John, with a ringing in my left ear, tinnitus or, or tinnitus, it's called. And um, I ended up having an MRI, and it was the MRI that uh, revealed this large brain tumor. It's it's amazing how that happens. I I shared my story, you know, as, uh, as far as I, I had a tumor in my foot, MRI revealed as well. Doctors don't know what's going on. It's very strange. Why is your foot acting that way? You never, ever know in life. And it's always good to capture them early, certainly. So uh, I got to say, Greg, you, you are a huge inspiration in that you're going on social media. You're sharing your story of what's happening. You're sharing with the audience right up until time. Like until you actually go into the operating room, have the surgery come out, you don't know what is happening there. You don't know the exact size. You don't know the severity how are you doing this? Like, how are you coping? Like, how did you keep yourself calm through this, uh, this, this item? And how did you stay hopeful as far as inspiring others while you don't know yourself, what's your condition? Well, it, it was scary, John. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never had a brain tumor before. I had never 
I'd hardly had any surgeries throughout my life and I didn't know what to expect going into this. Uh, I, I prepared as much as I could so that uh, my family would be uh, as, as well positioned if, if I happened to die during that brain surgery that uh, I even went to the point of, of meeting with, with my undertaker. I, I reviewed all my life insurance. I had my beneficiary designations uh, all up to date. I had my, path, my online passwords and login credentials all, all written down. And I, I just wanted to make sure that I left my family in the best shape possible if, God forbid, I did die. But I, I, I feel very fortunate that I got through this. But it's a, I, I've, I've now got pretty well the full spectrum of uh, end-of-life experience, it seems. And so this is a note when Greg wrote this book, it's for people literally do not ignore your mortality, your mortality. And remember, we don't know, like I've seen too many cases, uh, myself as a real estate lawyer, people are coming to me, mom passed away, dad passed away. We got to deal with the house and they left us in shambles. No, no insurance was arranged. Uh, nothing was, pre was pre-told to them. No will. And it's like a scavenger hunt. It's this unfortunate after death scavenger hunt. And there's no nice place to see where did they have all their bank accounts? Where did they have their investments? What insurance is there? Was there insurance? There's not one database you can find these items, you know, and if somebody doesn't have their affairs and orders and doesn't work with the right professional, right? This could put a lot of strain on the family. It, it certainly can. And that's why I, I ultimately put this book together, John, was to use it as a conversation starter with people. It's not a large book and, and it's, I think it's fairly easy read and it's getting some good traction, but it's, it's meant to, to get people thinking about these sorts of things and to speak with their family about ultimately what they want to have happen and then engage the right professionals to ultimately help them do that. I gotta say you have, you have a very, very inspirational message there. Very, you know, I, I look at it often when I look at the book, do it for them. Tell me more about that. Do it for them. Well, we, we all love our family. Well, I'm, I'm sure most people out there do. For the most part. <laughs> it, there's, there's always estrangements and things that go on within in families. But it, it ultimately, the reason that, that, that we do these sorts of things is to make it easier for them when we, when we die. And at some point, all of us do die. We're all mortal. But uh, when, when I did all these things previous, just prior to my brain surgery, it, it was really the last thing that I could do for those that I love. And, and I wanted to do that for them. Uh, and, and some would even say it's, it is perhaps one of the most important things that we can do for our family. Remember back in the day when you and I were young children, young teens, adults, there was that infomercial on television. I think his name was Cy Sperling when he came on for the hair club for men and said, I'm not just the president, I'm also a client. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're preaching this to people. You're not just the president. You're also a client. Yes. You are one of the fortunate ones that was able to stay healthy as far as stay on top of things, diagnosis and, and prepare yourself. But, you know, I, I, uh, a layman's question, because, uh, you know, I'm not involved in the insurance industry, but God forbid something happens to somebody, like they have a tumor, for example, and then they go to have the surgery. Uh, you go to apply for insurance at that point before the surgery, right after surgery. It's a lot different than when you have a clean bill of health, right? It, well, it is, yes. The, be the best, the very best time to apply for insurance 
is when you don't need it, is when your health is good and things are normal and you have to answer, well, the, the type of insurance where you provide full medical underwriting at, at the time of application is the very best insurance to get. Um, and I, I myself at this point, I'm still unsurable because there isn't enough of a, um, a, a timeline of good solid health since my surgery just two months ago for an insurance company to accept me. So you're exactly right. People kind of forget that, you know, it's like, uh, I get the phone calls all the time, Greg. Uh, my family member was in an accident. They're in a coma. Can you come to the hospital and sign a power of attorney, please? <laughs> so to sign the power of attorney, for those of you that are not aware, there's a, let's, let's have a little legal one-on-one, -on -one, shall we, Greg? Sure. So we got power of attorney. So in Ontario, Canada, as a, as a lawyer, that's a real estate lawyer estates, I normally sign for people three documents, two power of attorneys and a will. The two power of attorneys, you're alive, but in most cases, you're incapacitated. You can't make your own decisions. Who makes your property decisions and who makes your medical decisions for personal care? You have to be alive for this to happen. But when you sign them, you have to be of sound mind. If you're in a coma, you can't sign for yourself a power of attorney clearly. Then when a person is deceased, power of attorneys don't work because you're not alive. Even You are incapacitated, but you're permanently incapacitated. Only then can we use the will. I have people come to me. My my father's in a coma at the hospital. I want to deal with the will now. Uh, you know, people don't understand these terms as much as will being only in effect when a person's deceased, power of attorney when you're alive. But like you're saying, when you don't need it is when you need to prepare it. And Something like a power of attorney for property is such a valuable document. Some ways it's even more valuable than the will because let's say I, I've had situations. Somebody's in a motorcycle accident. They're in a coma in the hospital. Now, and they're the only ones on their bank account, the only ones on their real estate. Family members want to, want to pay their bills. They want to deal with it. They have to sell the house because they have to pay for medical bills. But they don't have a power of attorney for property so now nobody can deal with this person unless we get a court order. We go to the public and guardian trustees office, essentially you get the government to come and take over the person. It can get really, really complicated if you don't get your affairs in order. It, it, it certainly can. And, and this is one of the, the easiest things for people to put off because they, they pretty well assume that tomorrow is going to continue on just as every other day has in, in their life. But we, we don't know that. You, you and I, John, have, have seen the situations. I've, I've, I've seen situations where, where, where it would make people shake their head if, if they had realized what I had seen, in the, especially in the funeral business at the time when emotions are running incredibly high. But to, the time to get these, these affairs properly in order is, is, is when times are good and, and minds are clear. I want to tell people and... You know, I, I, no disrespect to anyone, please. But if you're living your life thinking you're going to live indefinitely and you do not put your affairs in order, thinking that tomorrow for sure is going to come, what you're doing with yourself and your loved ones, you're gambling. It's literally like playing a roulette wheel, figuring it's just going to hit on me every single time. I have been there, Greg. I have seen at the hospital beds when we're signing up the will. They've been given a day or two to live and I'm looking into their eyes and you see death. Like you can feel it. They know it's coming. Not a very comfortable feeling. I can tell you that every time I've been there, it's not been too many times, but you know, you know, a few, uh, a few, certainly at least half a dozen or more that I can think off the top of my head. 
and they have that panic in their eyes. They know they left it to the last minute. It's like cramming for that big exam. You should have been studying for weeks and you started studying the night before. That's how they feel right now. You are at your worst. You know that death is coming upon you and now you have to get your stuff in order. It's an extra amount of stress. They should be enjoying their last moments considering those are their last moments. They should not have to start doing that at that stage, you know? And that's the unfortunate part. And the family members that are left to pick up the pieces when somebody has not put their affairs in order, it's a, they should be grieving. You know, they should be remembering their loved one. And Greg, they are scrambling. How am I going to pay for the funeral? What am I going to do? How am I going to pay for these taxes? Their final tax bill. I uh, who do I, do I go to who's going to file that? Uh, how do I know? You know, it, there's so many questions that come up. So when you have somebody that comes across your door and they tell you, Greg, I don't even know where to begin. I've never done any kind of planning before. Where do you start with them? Well, that's where I was. I was challenged in the past of knowing where to start. It's it's obviously based on where they're at, but that's ultimately why I put this book together, John, was to give people kind of a, 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 a good starting starting point so that they can learn about how the, how the rules generally work uh, and the, the importance of engaging the right type of advice. I even talk about uh, in this book, as, as you know, about how people can do it, them try to do it themselves online, which it, it, as you're well aware, John, being a lawyer, in, in so many cases, that is not the right approach to take. And, and that's why I wanted to warn people about that. Listen, somebody needs open heart surgery. You don't go on YouTube, watch a video on how to perform open heart surgery, go down to Shoppers Drug Mart, buy a scalpel and some equipment and try to do it yourself. Right. Anything you do, if you've never touched a car before, ever, are you going to go and just change your tires and then go drive on the highway? Are you going to go and do your own oil change? Probably not because you're going to wreck your car. You're going to do the same thing to your body. If you go and do your own contracts, chances are with the amount of training you got, which is zero, you have not thought of the possibilities of what could go wrong. You have to sit with somebody that you've been trained in it, has experience in it, seen what could go wrong and go through the scenarios to avoid those pitfalls. You know, one thing as a lawyer, I, I really hate to say it, but it's true. We operate in the what if and, and what could go wrong. I need to think of as many scenarios of what could go wrong and how to avoid those. And I get those. I, we talked off camera. You get those sloppy wills, sloppy power of attorneys. They don't have the proper witness. They don't have the right amount of witnesses. Things are left blank. They they leave instructions that contradict one another, different amounts in different places. You, you could invalidate the whole document, and then it's not worth the paper that it's written on. So you went and saved a few hundred dollars, and now you're going to cold cost your estate possibly several thousands of dollars in repair work and or your wishes may not get met because they're not going based on your instructions now. Now somebody's going to do an application on your behalf and apply to the court to make decisions uh, on, on, on what they think is right, but not based on on how you wanted things done. Right. And and that's one of the things that I've been stressing to people for years, John, is is that Roughly half, as you well know, roughly half the adult population of Canada does not have a current and valid will. And, and it's a shame, even though the, the legal industry, the funeral industry and the financial industry have 
have made great strides in, in inspiring people to get their planning in place and to get a will and the powers of attorney. There, there are still so many people that, that put it off and they shouldn't because any of these documents could be needed at any given time. And you and I have seen it. The, the examples you gave about being in the hospital, I've, I've seen those two and been there. And it's, it's, it, I, I just wring my hands and have uh, for many years uh, when I see situations where the planning just wasn't done. You and I talked off camera about some real life examples. One of them that can really hit home that just came to be is the submarine going to voyage for the Titanic. Yes. So, and these were people with very high net worth. It so happens. They go in there. Greg, they didn't go to take this voyage expecting the voyage to their death, did they? No. And and so this happens. And uh, you, you remember Kobe Bryant with the helicopter? Yes. This can go in an instant, in an instant. You know, and people are saying, well, I don't take private helicopters and I don't take private submarines, so I'm fine. If you go read the statistics, uh, I recall, I've read this several times, you're more than likely going to die in a car accident right beside your house than you are in an airplane. But it's funny that all of us think, oh, we just don't go on an airplane, we just don't go on a Titanic, I'm going to be fine. Folks, unless we wrap ourselves in bubble wrap and stay at home, guess what? There's always a risk. Yes. And and the number of times, John, that 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 I have walked into to, uh, homes to pick up people who have died when I've worked in the funeral industry is, is astonishing. But un unless you've experienced that, that I have, um, you wouldn't necessarily think about all these types of situations, but people are dying at, all around us all the time. Roughly, I, I believe the statistics currently are just over 900 people a, a day die in this country. Why is it though, Greg, that we have to wait until a close family member passed away a friend, a coworker, why do what and we have to go to the funeral, we have to sit for them. Why do we have to see it with our own eyes? And especially the ones that didn't prepare themselves to say, Oh wow, that could hit me. Because I don't know about you, but very often people that are coming to do wills with me and are asking these kind of questions and doing their planning, talking to their financial planner, insurance person, it's because only because they're watching somebody else they're saying, uh oh, I don't want to put people in that position. Why does it go to those lengths? Well, I, I, I think that it's, it, it comes, boils down to the fact that a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about these things. Um, I, I think superstition plays into it a lot as well, but um, we, we need to, to be more accepting of our mortality. And that was, again, one of the themes that I've, that I've really pressed with, within this book, is that I'm, I'm hopeful that more people will will embrace this, this movement that has been growing for years. It's called the death awareness movement. The death awareness movement. Tell me more because that's very powerful words. And it sounds like a, a powerful image of, of a creation of a thought of, of, of how to live and how to communicate. Tell me more about this movement, please. The death awareness movement. Well, the, the, the whole movement began uh, many a number of decades ago, but it's now evolved to the point where uh, hospice organizations are one good example of, of the um, death awareness movement and, and how a growing number of people are, are dying within hospice situations. 
um, because it, it just makes so much more sense. It's a, a hospice um, organizations create a, a, a nice um, warm environment where people can live out their last days and live their life to the fullest before they do pass away. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's very supportive, but that, that whole industry is, is, is needing more volunteers that are growing. There's a, there's a massive need for this, but that's just one example of it. Now, another famous story that came out was Aretha Franklin. Okay. As far as, you know, I, you think of Aretha Franklin, you know, the, the queen of soul, and you figure, okay, she must have every handler imaginable, taking care of all of her affairs. There's one person I wouldn't worry about at night. It's with the Franklin and her family. Everything is done correct. Easy process. True or false? False. False. She, she apparently, according to the media uh, outlets, she was she was told to get her affairs in order and and to prepare a will properly, and she didn't. And, and now her family are fighting it out in court. And it's another perfect example of a, another lousy legacy that really didn't need to happen. But if, if she had have had her affairs in proper order, uh, and she had the money certainly to do it, uh, it would have turned out far, far better than what it is currently. I always tell people when they ask me this question, because, you know, we're talking about the death awareness movement, right? And having these conversations and communication and everything. I tell parents all the time, if you really, really want your children to stop talking to each other and have lifelong fighting, then don't get your affairs in order, by all means. <laughs> but it's not, I'm sorry, but for most people, it is not that complicated. Think about who the most immediate people are in your life. You know, if you have a spouse, if you have children, siblings, whoever it is. And I always tell them, envision, God forbid something happens to me right now. Who is the person that can most step up and make those decisions? Who is in the best positioning as far as trust, uh, experience, education, communicator, whatever it is, figure out what works best for you. You know, as far as the decision makers go and there's different decision maker between medical decisions and property. It's not always the same people, right, Greg? Because the person who can make the medical may not be the person you say, you know what? Uh, sorry, they haven't filed taxes in seven years. They may not be the people I want to manage my financial affairs, right? And then deciding, what do I have in this world? Personal property, real estate, investments, whatever it is, bank accounts. And how would I want to see it divided up? Start thinking of it that way, you know? And if they break it down, and they put it together a game plan, it's one thing. If you can make it that far already, which a lot of people have, always, uh, over half people kind of don't have a will. You get that far, the problem is for a lot of people, Greg, in my estimation, they prepare this in secrecy, don't tell anybody about it, pass away, and then like it's in the movies. They bring out the video, you know, the lawyer comes, invites everybody to the boardroom, and they watch the last video, this is my last will and testament. To my dear husband, I leave you this. To my dear daughter, I leave this. And to my son, I leave you this. You know, like it doesn't work like that, but it feels like it because when people aren't in the loop and they only find out these things after the fact, it can create a lot of hardship. I think having those uncomfortable conversations earlier on and saying, these are my intentions. This is what I'm putting down. Let's work through this a little bit. I think will create less strife after the fact once a person passes. 
Yes, yeah, that, that's what I've seen as well, John. And it does make a lot of sense. If, if people are, are, are more aware of what is going on within the family and, and um, how the estate is to be distributed and, and so on, as you well know, they're, they're going to be less inclined to, to question uh, why it was set up that way. And they will likely be more accepting of it uh, after the death. And I've heard of situations, Greg, where even they sit down their family they say, I, I'm not going to go to each of you individually. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to level with you all. This is the way I see it right now. I want to do what's fair based on all of you. You understand. You, I helped with a house. You, I did not. You have a job that pays you $2 million. You're unemployed. I want to bring about some sort of equity to make sure everybody's looked after. How do you all feel about that? I've heard of cases where one child says, you know what? Uh, Dad, I'm a Hollywood producer. I make, you know, $3 million a year. My brother is barely getting by. I don't want anything. Give it to him. He needs it more than I do. I appreciate that. You know, having those open, frank conversations because otherwise, what happens is all of a sudden, you know, in that same scenario of the dad said, Well, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I'm going to leave it equally. And one sibling says, Wait a minute. They make three million a year. I'm just going to buy. I need that money. They don't, you know, and then coming to them and saying, Can you forego your share? It's a really difficult point to have that conversation after the fact you know again planning it earlier i think it's like everything else in life i think in any relationship and in any arrangement if we could have expectation and communication put together i think we're all going to be a lot better off so in that family scenario if they can get on the same page for expectations and then from there communicate we could have a smoother process where we will grieve we will deal with the estate, but we're not going to stop talking to each other. I know families, Greg, I have seen too many. Siblings are never the same afterwards. Money does really funny things to people, hurt feelings. You took advantage. You took more than your share. You've been, you're the decision maker. I know you're draining the estate. I've heard it all, Greg. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. And, and sometimes the optics of of people's uh, family members' involvement can be skewed, as you know, and, and emotions running high, especially at the time of a death or afterwards, and splitting up the uh, the uh, personal effects of, of the deceased and, and all these things, they're all just a lightning rod for things to go sour. How's your, how's your feeling, by the way, as far as when you're meeting with somebody to make their plans, of meeting with the person on their own versus the uh, helpful a uh, child that drives them there. Like they have three, three children, you know, and one of the uh, children's always the one doing the appointments. And yet it seems like that parent wants to leave everything or a lot of it more to that child. Do you ever get that e uneasy feeling? I, I have it just as you have, I'm sure. And, and it, and it can be very challenging. Um, but I've, I've always stressed to people that, that they should be open in their communication and involve all the family members. And they don't always want to do this, uh, obviously, but uh, the dynamics of each family is, it varies to such a degree. But just so that you know, John, and, and so that your listeners know, that I'm not in a position where I'm helping people one-on-one. -on -one. I wrote this book to be the greatest help that I could be for Canadians and Americans. <clears throat> And I'm busy promoting this now uh, using David Chilton's uh, strategies, uh, as he's done for years. Uh, he wrote The Wealthy Barber years ago. So I'm, I'm looking to do a lot of podcast uh, interviews and radio interviews uh, and also targeting corporations uh, for uh, 
books uh, for their employees and for their marketing purposes. So I'm not seeing clients is what I wanted to, to stress. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for confirming. And on and on that token still, you know, as far as getting into that mindset, reading this book, speaking with Greg, as far as, you know, hearing his words, uh, he's on social media. Greg, uh, again, you're putting people in that mindset, which is absolutely fantastic. And people will have the contact information from this episode. So if you need to get in touch with Greg, you want to get in touch with Greg, you have questions, you you have a, an appearance where a uh, forum where you want him to speak to your group or on your uh, particular program, you'll have his contact information. Greg, it's very important to spread the word. Did you find that as you were diagnosed with the tumor up in time to the surgery, after the surgery, that some people had a hard time speaking with you, they felt uncomfortable, you know, they didn't know how to approach you. Did you find it all that awkwardness with people around you during that time? Well, not, not to any larger degree, John, but to be totally honest with you, ever since I joined the funeral industry when I was about 19 years of age, which is a long time ago, I have found it, it, an uneasiness with, with some people that they, again, they just don't want to bring it up. The, some people I've, I've had over the years are very curious about the work that I've done, where, where others just simply don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. And again, that's why I've, I've done all this, is to get people thinking about it in advance so that they can set things up the best way they can for those they love while they, can, while they have the opportunity to actually do it. How much of a surprise was it for you, Greg, when you take a look at social media, you know, you and I grew up in age of uh, MySpace and then Facebook came about and then it was Instagram and Facebook is passe, Twitter, and now we got TikTok going, Twitch. On TikTok, funny enough, you've broken 1.3 million views, broken 7,000 followers when you had your clip where you told your wife about your tumor, uh, how mind-boggling is it that that many people you were able to reach? Well, it, it, it very much surprised me. But there's an appetite for this. People are, are interested in, in topics like the, as you said, that uh, Titan submersible and, and death and, and all these sorts of things. But it, it's, that type of general interest isn't enough. And, and I know TikTok typically is a younger crowd, and, and my message is basically for people 40 and, and up. But people have to, to really uh, move beyond that general interest uh, point and, and really think about their family. Think about your family. Plan ahead. Uh, do it. Do it for them. Yes. Now, for those that are listening in, I would say regardless, you live in Canada, you live in the U.S., Whatever your income is, stage of life, it is really good to read this book. You are alive. You need to know about your mortality. Don't ignore it. Start thinking ahead. Help yourself. Help your loved ones. Greg, how do they get a copy of this book? Well, it's it's easy enough to do. It can, it can be found. The simplest way to find it is just to go to my website, do not ignore your mortality.com, and uh, you'll see a one of the tabs is simply buy the book and that'll take you to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or, or any of the physical or electronic platforms to, to simply buy it there. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's glad, I'm glad to hear it's getting traction. People are realizing, uh, I gotta say like, it, it, you know, you see the book and, and you know, it's a thin book, you know, as far as being about a hundred pages and you're thinking, Oh, okay. It couldn't have been that long folks. I was talking with Greg seemingly for years about this 
He's put a lot of thought, a lot of process, spoke to countless professionals, getting insights. This book was not born overnight. This is like a life's work journey to be able to do this. And it's so fabulous that you could take your knowledge, your experience, bring together others, and in a short, concise you know, book, be able to help others in the way that you are, Greg. Thank you, John. And, and one, one quick point that I'd, I'd like to mention to your listeners is, is that for anybody that does have an interest in this, one of the things that I offer on my website is one quick tip per month. So on the 15th of, the, of each month, I basically send an email out to those people who have signed up, uh, just a, a brief email to inspire engagement so that they don't just read the book or hear my message and, and ultimately do nothing. I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that my message will, will inspire people to take action and, and do what they should for those they love. The tip of the month, ignore your mortality. Do not ignore your mortality.com. Now I got to find, as we're finalizing today's episode and you get us so many great insights, Greg, and sharing your story. And as far as inspiring others, you know, to make the decisions with their life and to have a real awareness, the movement, as far as understanding that death is there. If you could sit down with your 20 year old self now, knowing where life went, Knowing where you are today, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice now, what would it be? Hmm, that's a tough one, John. I'm work hard easy. and work smart, I guess. I've been working hard all my life, but <laughs> you know what I'm... your twenty-year, you know what your twenty-year-old self would say. Uh, that sounds like kind of a fortune cookie, uh, Greg. Yes. We know each other really well. If you could get, take one turn, if there's something I got to make in my life decisions where I'm going ahead, knowing where we went, if you could have stopped me at some point and had a different thought, knowing your experiences, give me some guidance, please. Older self, Greg, to younger self, Greg, what would it be? It would be pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the details. I like that. You know what, my, you know what mine would have been to my younger self? What's that? Truly, and it's so cliche, do not ignore your gut. Everything yes. that ever really went wrong, you knew in your heart of that risk. You chose to ignore it. You should have been smarter about it, but it's because you thought, maybe it's going to go different for you today. Maybe life will just go wherever. But the reality of it is your gut knew, listen always to your gut. That's what I would tell my younger self. So in that, on that note, pay attention to the details, listen to your gut. Folks, you want to plan life ahead. The great thing is, think about all the things as far as you need to set up in your life. Again, planning your wills, power of attorneys, life insurance, all forms of insurance, as far as setting up investments, financial planning, think of your children, your loved ones, yourself, how you're going to set yourself up into the future. Greg covers so much of this again in this book. Think about what you need to do. So that way you can do it and then you don't have to stress about it and you can go live your life. And God forbid, if you go the next day or you go in 50 years from now, whatever your last few breaths are, you don't leave this world thinking, ah, I should have done it this way and leave it in stress. Leave it in calmness, knowing I've done the best I can. I've lived my life. I put everybody in a good position. Now I can breathe easy and go to rest. That's a great way of putting it, John. I try my best. Greg Barnsdale, a pleasure, my friend. Want to keep an update with you on how things are going. Want to hear how the book is going in the future. Want to see as far as you're getting to 10 million 
uh, you know, hits on, on your, uh, on your clips, you're spreading the word, you're making awareness out there. You're doing great things for this earth. You're sh and, and sharing, you know, what was personal tragedy into triumph. You are a hero, a real life hero. I thank you again for sharing your story with us today on the chosen life. Thank you, John.